Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is there one positive thing you can say about each other? He was, a, he was a good player. And I would think he'd have been a good captain. But then I'm running out. What, apart from being the worst long-time commentator of all, um, coward, gutless, and they're all the good things I can say. Jeebus. Some good, uplifting television there from both of them and Ian Chappell. They do have one thing in common. They're both called Ian. There you go. There's always uh, common ground there somewhere. What do you make of that, people? Give us your thoughts. The Temperate Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736, or call us on the open line, 13 12 55. But, hey, enough of cricket from yesteryear. Let's talk about cricket for tonight, we're going to speak to Tristan Lavalette from Forbes Cricket about the upcoming second test at the Homer Cricket Lords. Tristan, welcome to the show. Morning, Duff. How's it going? Not too bad, mate. Have you got anything nice to say about either Ian Chappell or Ian Botham? Because we've just heard all the nasty things, so we might as well get something nice out of the way. Well, they're very, uh, very proud men, so uh, they don't take a backward step. So they both uh, have held grudges for about 50 years, so I'm not sure if they're going to uh, sort of back down after all these years. What was the whole purpose of that exercise? Do we know? What, what, what was it? Did it did, would that have rated? I'm not sure, but I think uh, it probably would have made for perhaps some, some compelling TV if um, with those two very sort of feisty and combative characters going at each other. I actually uh, missed it. I unfortunately watched the, the beginning of the, the Warney uh, uh, sort of documentary or, or, or two-part series, which uh, wasn't the greatest production. So I sort of gave it a bit of a, a, bit, a, bit of a miss after that. So that was enough for me. Um, so, uh, look, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what they were trying to, to do with that, but it's, it's certainly a well-known cricket feud. It is a very well-known cricket feud. So, Josh Tung comes into the English team for the second test. What do you make of that selection? Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise. The sort of thought was that if Mo and Ali couldn't get up because of his finger issues, that uh, Mark Wood, who's their quickest bowler, he can bowl around 150Ks an hour, would probably get a get the nod. But he's not quite ready at the moment. He hasn't played cricket for a few months. He hasn't played red ball cricket for since December. So they've given uh, Josh Tung a go, and and he he's a a little bit like Mark Wood. He's pretty fast. He's tall. He can bowl uh, probably a little bit under what Mark Wood can, but probably in the 140s. He uh, made his test debut against Ireland uh, just before the Ashes, took a Pfeiffer. So he's certainly in form, and he gives them a little bit of a, a point of difference uh, in their attack with Broad, Anderson, and, and Robertson, uh, not the sort of sharpest bowlers. So, uh, But it's an interesting decision. I mean, they've gone all-out team attack, and uh, Joe Root will be the their main 
spinner. I mean, he's a pretty handy off spinner as he showed in the, the first test, but it's a big, uh, big burden on him being their number one uh, batter and, and now their sort of frontline spinner. So what this tells us is that this pitch is going to be a seamer, and uh, by the look of it, it's pretty green. Yeah, it's all indications are that it's going to offer a little bit more to the bowlers, uh, certainly compared to that first test, which was uh, you know very flat. Uh, obviously, England has preferred uh, sort of harder and, and flatter wickets for their style of play in, in terms of uh, it certainly aids their attacking batting, but I think uh, a little bit more seam would be, uh, I think, needed because it did feel a little bit strange watching an Ashes Test match with uh, the, the bat absolutely dominating apart from when there was a little bit of cloud cover um, sort of in the middle of the Test match. So, yeah, I think uh, the ball will move a little bit, but I guess we'll just have to see how much. How big a punt is it to go in without a spinner? And can Joe Root, is he up to the task of providing the spin? Well, traditionally, Lords doesn't really um, help the, the spinners, so it is a it is known traditionally as a, a sort of a seam bowling wicket. But look, it's a it's a big call um, to still not play a, a spinner. I mean, they didn't have a whole heap of options to be fair. With uh, you know, Jack Leach, their, their front liners ruled out of the series, and uh, with Moen Ali out injured, I mean, they don't have a whole heap of uh, options. So. Probably was their best option. They're also a little bit worried with uh, Ben Stokes, whether he can uh, sort of bowl enough. He, he still looks not 100% right. Um, look, I think Joe Root's uh, actually more than handy um, spinner. It's definitely against the, the left-handers, he's, he's pretty dangerous. So uh, I think he's, he's uh, someone who can you know, probably chip in 10, 15 overs. But that's probably the big difference between the two sides is Australia and Nathan Lyon. Uh, one of the, the greats, and you know England are sort of pretty uh, pretty barren in, in that department. So, if you look at the other sort of areas between the teams, I think you can say it's almost even. But the spin departments where Australia just have a massive edge. Fascinating selection dilemma um, for Pat Cummins, I think, with whether Mitchell Stark plays or whether Scott Boland plays. What's your thoughts on that at the moment, Tristan? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it was very interesting to see how England played South Boland. I mean, no one's been able to get after Boland at all, even uh, throughout his whole career, really, if you, you date back to Sheffield Shield cricket. Um, but England did. I mean, they used their, their feet, they went down the wicket, and uh, they really got after Boland. So he, he leaked a lot of runs, but that wicket potentially at Lords could really suit him. It's a bit slopey, and if it does move around, I mean, Boland could be a handful. It's, as we saw during that short burst in the first test when it was cloudy, uh, he looked really dangerous. But Mitchell Stark, as we know, he does provide uh, just a different option with the left arm, uh, and he can bowl full. We know England like to go down the wicket and, and attack, so with Mitchell Stark bowling a fuller length, uh, that could sort of pin England back a little bit. So it's going to be really interesting. And obviously, Mitchell Stark also does provide a bit of batting uh, down the order. Uh, you know, Pat Cummins showed that he can uh, really bat at number eight. It's sort of his best performance for a while with the bat. Um, but Mitchell Stark does strengthen the lower order, and that's what England actually, their lower order looks a little bit uh, weaker now with Josh Tung's a, a bit of a traditional tail ender. Moen Ali was, you know, very much a, an all-rounder. So 
look, I, I sort of think Scott Bowen will probably get the nod, but it's definitely going to be an interesting call. And, and even Josh Hazelwood, I mean, there is a little bit of concern whether he can play back-to-back sort of test matches. I mean, they have had a little bit of a break, which probably means he will uh, get the nod. But it's a, yeah, a bit of a dilemma for Australia, but a pretty good one, I think. Then the interesting thing about Mitchell Stark is that he leaks runs, but given that the the English batters are going for everyone anyway, whether that becomes relevant and maybe what becomes more relevant is the strike rate that he's got, isn't it? Well, that's right. I mean, Scott Boland, I mean, he was going at about six runs and over in the first test. So uh, what Mitchell Stark can do even when he's struggling is he just can't produce uh, wicket-taking delivery out of nowhere. We saw that against India in the World Test Championship final where he struggled for rhythm for most of the test match but in the first innings against uh, India, he just bought an absolute cracking delivery to get out Vera Kohli with a, a short one uh, on a pretty lifeless pitch. So that's what Mitchell Stark can do. So it'll be very tempting to play him, I think. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, which way they go. And the other thing about you mentioned Boland's um, length and how he's so so predictable and able to hit that length, it kind of gives them the opportunity to drop kicking him around a bit, doesn't it? And they even started ramping him a little bit in the first test. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, I suppose they used his his sort of greatest strength um, against him a little bit because they knew where the ball was going to go. And, and with a bit of a lifeless pitch, um, as we saw in that first test, uh, he was... Able to England's batters were able to really go after him, and it was almost a little bit jarring to see Bowling go for runs because we're so used to him bowling, you know, ten overs and for, for twelve runs or something like that, and and uh, for him to go at six and over um, really just showed how England can uh, attack the bowlers. So that probably works in Mitchell Stark's favour, and and I mean he's a very tempting option, but I just feel like they they might just stick with the same eleven. So, if the pitch is a green seamer, who do you think that favours, Tristan? I think it probably favours Australia, but I think, you know, look, it also puts into it to play England's attack. And that was the, the thing with, with baseball and, and playing, uh, preferring hard and flat pitches is it does negate their seam attack. And they've got a very good seam attack. We saw Stuart Broad in the first test. He was terrific. Jimmy Anderson... Not so much. I mean, at his age, he needs the ball to move around. Um, but we know what he can do in helpful conditions. Uh, Ollie Robinson, uh, everyone's uh, favourite cricketer here at the moment. Um, he's uh, he's also someone who likes the ball to move around a bit. So with England uh, playing a you know seam attack, with basically they've got five seamers, uh, they could be really really dangerous. But like Australia, got Pat Cummins and. Uh, Hazelwood and either Bowling the Starks, so they've got obviously a lot of options too. But um, look, I think uh, at the end of the day, Australia's got probably the best quick in Pat Cummins. So we'd have to say if conditions uh, suit him, he's going to be a massive handful again. And England's top order is a little bit shaky, as we saw. I mean, they uh, had to rely on, on Joe Root and uh, some of the middle and lower order batters to, to get them through in, in both their innings, actually. So I would say that probably if it's it's uh, seeming around. I think that might actually favour Australia. What about our batting? Now, obviously, you and I have a, uh, a regular discussion about Davy Warner and whether he should still be in the team, but there's an issue with Marnus Labuschagne based on the way he handled the moving ball in the first test. Yeah, Stuart Broad got maybe in his head a little bit. I mean, 
Stuart Broad predicted uh, pre-series, pre-series that he would bowl an Al Swinger and to Labuschagne and Smith and, and get them out, and he did that with uh, Labuschagne first first ball in the first innings, and again pretty early in, in the second innings. Pretty unusual for Labuschagne to be playing um, sort of fifth wicket, six wicket uh, stump, and yeah, it was he really uh, it was terrific bowling from Stuart Broad. He's probably more known as getting the ball in a little bit, but he's even at his age he's added to his uh, repertoire and. That outswinger was was pretty deadly. So he uh, he looms as a, again a, a massive uh, key to the Test match. Um, he, the ability he's got to also uh, really trouble David Warner as he has throughout um, the last ten years has also uh, you know really shaped some of these matches. So look, I, I would suspect uh, knowing Marnus, I think he would have been working very hard in there the Nets the last uh, few days, so I'm sure he's got some, some plans to counter Stuart Broad. So I think uh, one of the things for Australia where they can feel really confident coming into the second test is Labuschagne and Smith both failed uh, in both innings. They basically didn't contribute anything. So um, you would expect one of them to at least uh, probably make some runs in, in this test match. And if they do, I think Australia going to be pretty difficult to... Um, I think they'll probably take a, a 2-0 lead. Yeah, it was interesting. A very intelligent thinking by Stuart Broad because when we saw Labuschagne bat against the um, Indians in the Test Championship, he was intent on playing down the wicket and smothering the LBW and... Um, um, and he was getting across and taking block almost on off stump, which brought that wider line into play, didn't it? And that allowed, uh, enabled um, Broad to almost um, half swing and half angle the ball away from him and uh, and draw him into shots um, when Labuschagne was trying to block the one that was uh, coming back in and maybe getting hit on the pads. Yeah, he's a very, very clever cricketer, Stuart Broad. He has in the past gone the skin of Australian uh, you know, fans and and the Australian team, but he is an extremely smart cricketer, and the way he's identified a potential weakness from from Labuschagne was really impressive, and it, it sort of worked in in the first Test match. But uh, yeah, Minus and and Steve Smith, are probably the two hardest working uh, batters going around, and, and they would have been, uh, I think, pretty filthy with what happened in, in the first Test match. So I'm, I'm sure they've. Uh, been working extremely hard in in the time off since. So, yeah, it's going to be extremely um, riveting battle, I think, between um, England's team attack and Australia's top order, which, you know, there are some, some question marks as Bosman Khawaja essentially carried that top order with some contributions throughout the, the middle and lower orders in the first Test match. So, um, once again, if, if Australia can get a little bit more of a uh, contribution from Warner, Labuschagne and uh, Smith, and they're in good shape, I think. And, of course, a big win for Australia in the women's Ashes test with Ash Gardner playing a, a starring role with her offies. Yeah, that's right. I mean, eight wickets in the second innings. I think she uh, she's had some advice from Nathan Lyon over the years. Uh, they, I think, all together in, in New South Wales uh, in the nets over there. And, and uh, yeah, she was sensational. I mean, uh, it was looking pretty tight there at one point. I mean, Australia um, had the edge throughout, but England really fought back. And I think early in the fourth day, Australia was you know, seven down and the lead around 200. It was looking a little bit shaky there. And uh, Lisa Healy played a credible uh, sort of captain's dog 
getting a half century and playing with a couple of uh, fractured fingers. So pretty courageous effort from her. And, and then uh, Ashley Gardner did the rest on the final day. So terrific test match and then great uh, advertisement for five-day uh, women's test cricket. And we saw a result in women's cricket, in, which we haven't seen for a number of years. So I think uh, hopefully we'll see more five-day test matches in women's cricket. Yeah, one of those offies that Ash Gardner bowled turned a mile, didn't it? It was like the Shane Warne yeah. ball of the century. It came back a mile from outside off stump. Yeah, she's a she's a talent. So I think, uh, yeah, very exciting times for women's uh, cricket for Australia. I mean, they've course had such a golden era but there's a lot of young talent coming through we saw uh, Phoebe Litchfield uh, play at the, uh, the top and Annabelle Sutherland scored 100 in the first innings and she's the uh, you know, sister of Will Sutherland of course who might be getting uh, close to an international call up at some, some stage she had a, a breakout uh, domestic summer so uh, yeah there's a lot to be excited for unfortunately just the one uh, test match, uh, women's test match. Now they have the, the multi-series um, with the, the wider, with the white ball forms to determine the Ashes. But uh, hopefully, we might see uh, you know, maybe a longer Ashes series for the women in the future. Who wins the second test at Lords, Tristan? All signs uh, point to Australia, just given the stability and, like I mentioned, I think Nathan Lyon is just such an, uh, a big advantage over. Uh, anything England has um, and given England's you know there's question marks uh, on them with, with uh, obviously their lack of spin options plus their top water does look a little bit susceptible uh, so look all signs say Australia I'm actually got a sneaky feeling England's going to win uh, I just think I was wrong last time I was on the program so hopefully um, uh, this prediction is wrong again but I just got a sneaky feeling this series is going to really ebb and flow and I think England's going to hit back pretty hard. So I'm expecting it to be 1-1, but it's going to be, I think, once again, compelling cricket throughout. Tristan Lavalette, he writes for Forbes Cricket. Um, it's going to be fascinating. There is nothing better, I think, than a test match at Lords. It is the home of cricket, always a fantastic atmosphere, and uh, the place just oozes history and tradition. Thanks for joining us on the show, mate. Thanks, Darth. Have a good one. Tristan Lavalette from Forbes Cricket. Uh, what are your thoughts on the second test? You can share them with us on the Temperate Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the open line 13 12 55. We'll be back after the break.